Great to see your smiley faces on this beautiful sunny day. Okay. Why don't we just close our eyes? We're going to pray together as we get into God's word this morning, and it's great to pray. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just thank you for the word of God. The word of God, it feeds us, it changes us, it heals us, it saves us. And Lord, we come before your word this morning. In fact, we bow before the authority of your word. And Lord, we just we come to sow that word into our hearts that it will grow like seed and produce an incredible crop, a harvest in our life. And everyone said? Amen. Wonderful. Well, uh, we are reading together this year through the harmony of the Gospels. I love it, um, doing the journey together, the life and ministry of Jesus and the disciples. And uh, this week in our reading, we're going to be looking at the call and the commissioning of the 12 disciples. And so let's kick it off. We're going to go straight into Mark chapter 3, verse 13. If you have your um, iPhone or your iPad or your Bible. Oh, we'd still use those. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Wonderful. So yeah, Mark chapter 3, verse 13, and it says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself those he wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they, he might send them out to preach. Everyone say to preach. And to have authority to drive out demons. Well, that was quite an exciting little launch Jesus has given them to preach, go out and cast out demons. And then a little later on, Jesus says this similar or same, really the same commission to, it's called the 70 in Luke chapter 10, although we won't go there. And he's, he commissions the 70 other disciples to go out in his name, under his authority, to preach the word of God. And it says to heal the sick and the same, similar to cast out demons. And then Jesus continues this, even after he's resurrected from the dead, he commissions each one of us, the body of Christ, the church, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mark 16 verse 15 says it so well, we can go there on the screen. It's in verse, one, uh, verse 15 it says, Then Jesus told them, he's speaking to now all the, all the disciples, everyone, all of us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Matthew 28, the commission to us continues. Jesus says, verse 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Whoa, I love that. Jesus is going to be with us as we go out in his name, under his authority, obeying his word, preaching his word, doing what he's told us to do, making disciples, teaching, building the church. He's going to be with us as we do it. You know, I became a Christian because this gutsy guy called Frank Evans wasn't turned off by this group of drunken Aussie sailors up in Darwin, out camping, partying, doing it hard, going hard after the... Anyway, moving right along. And, uh, but uh, Frank, we were camping in one spot. Frank was the other side of the camping ground. He and somebody else got up and walked across the camping ground and to engage us in conversation, which he hoped would lead into spiritual conversation. And it did. 
And I love that great thought of him walking across the camping ground. He initiated conversation with us that he hoped would lead into a spiritual conversation. There's a great book out by Bill Hybels called Just a Walk Across the Room. And he talks about us as Christians obeying that command of Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, what does that look like? What does that look like in my world? What does that look like in the 21st century? What does that look like in this digital age? Well, more often than not, it just looks like ordinary people like us just taking a walk across the room to engage ordinary people just like us in an ordinary conversation, which we will hope through friendship, through relationship, will lead into a spiritual conversation. And so that night, Frank struck up this conversation with me, which led into a spiritual conversation, which led into a friendship, which led into us exchanging phone numbers, which led into him then following me up and phoning me and taking me for coffee and inviting me around for a meal and and picking me up and taking me to church and then this whole eight-month journey uh, with Frank and with God, with the Holy Spirit after eight months, uh, I eventually gave my life to Jesus in a little Baptist church up in Darwin 36 or seven years ago. And so this morning, I just want to share some principles about this idea of us engaging people in conversations that will hopefully lead into spiritual conversations. Because I found it does. Sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes five years. Sometimes it takes, might take 15 years. Um, often with people that are maybe close to us in our world and our family, it often takes a long time, a journey. Who knows that? of getting around, of having spiritual conversations. Other people, I like what I call planes, trains, and automobiles. It's like when I'm on a plane somewhere, I like to engage people, people I'm never, ever going to see again. I am just try to heat up that conversation and lead it into a spiritual conversation as fast as I can. I remember once being on a plane from Coffs Harbour down to Sydney, and uh, I got, on, got walking, I was one of the last ones on the plane. I walked back to the back of the plane to my seat, and uh, I saw that I was sitting next to this guy, who was the most tattooed, most pierced person I'd ever seen in my life. Everything, every bit of skin was tattooed. And whatever wasn't tattooed, it was pierced. And it was mo. he had a mohawk, and it was all sort of dark and black and death metal-y, and it was all pretty scary. And I thought to myself, this looks interesting. <laughs> so I sat down next to this guy, and the plane takes off. And then it's, it's moments like that is that we have that opportunity, don't we? We can be... Mr. or Mrs. Boring and just read our boring little Qantas magazine for the next 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Or we can actually say g'day and just try and strike up a conversation which might lead into a spiritual conversation. So I looked at this guy next to me. I said, you coming or going? He said, I'm going home. I said, where you been? He said, I've been in Coffs Harbour getting some tattoos done. I said, what do you go to Coffs Harbour from Sydney for? He said, well... He said that Australia's best tattoo artist is up at Woolgooga. Who knows Woolgooga? Who's ever been to Woolgooga? Not, no, not many. So he says, yeah, Australia's best tattoo artist is up in Woolgooga. And so we just started talking. I started asking him about his tattoos. And he got quite interesting and showing me them all and telling me all his stories about his tattoos. And I thought to myself, probably not lots of people will ask him about his tattoos. And he's probably really proud of them. I mean, he gets, I mean to have that many tattoos... There's a story behind it, and there was a, ta- a story behind mo- each, most of his tattoos, and he was telling me all about it. And so we're talking, he said, so what are you up to? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm a pastor of a church, and I'm going down to Sydney to go to a conference, and rah, rah, rah. And, and it's important to try and, you know, 
lead something spiritual, feed something spiritual church into the conversation. Not be ashamed of who we are and what we do. And, you know, it's like when we go to work on Monday when people ask us, you know, what did you do on the weekend? We need to be like, oh, we're to church. It was fantastic. And the music was awesome. We had this crazy preacher or whatever it is. And, or, you know, just in, or, or tell people, you know, oh, we went to church. It was fantastic. We learned a whole lot of stuff about how to handle our money or how to work through mental health issues or, or we've got to throw some stuff out there that people are going to be interested in and go, oh, wow. Not just go, what did you do on the weekend? I went to church. Well, that's about as engaging as the flu. <laughs> so this guy, you know, started talking to this guy, rah, 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 told him to pastor to church and, uh, and then he, uh, he says to me, no, actually, first of all, I asked him what he did for a living. And, and that was my way of uh, getting him to ask me what I did for a living. So I asked him what he did for a living. He started telling me how he used to be a cabinet maker, making all these kitchens and things, and, and how he was also now a tattoo artist himself. And I thought, oh, that was really interesting. And so we talked on some more, and then he finally said, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I pastor this church, and it's really great, exciting, it's growing, I love it, it's full of young people and great music and all this. And he, he looks at me and says, when I grew up, he said, uh, my whole family, he said, they used to go to Liverpool, Liverpool Christian Life Centre in Sydney. And so straight away, I just knew to myself, I said, backslidden Christian. He's a, a Christian kid who's fallen away from walking with God. And so we talked on some more. And so finally, I looked at him, I said, so why do you, and, and I believe this was a word of knowledge from God. You know how we talks in the Bible, how the Holy Spirit will give us gifts like words of knowledge and words of prophecy and these different things that are in the Bible. Well, I just think that God gave me this little word of knowledge at the moment to ask him this question. So I turned around to him and I said, why do you think God has got you working in a tattoo parlor? And he was just about to, I think, give him the standard response of blah or something. And he sort of went blah. And then he sort of turned into a different person and said, well, I really get to help people. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, in fact, I'm like a counsellor. He said, so many young people, and young guys in particular, they come in for the tattoos. And he said, tattooing's quite intimate. He said, you'll, you'll sit there and maybe hold their hand or hold their arm for an hour or two while you're doing the tattoo work. He said, they all open up to me. and They all ask, tell me about their life and their problems and everything that's going. He said, I'm like a counsellor. I said, no wonder God has got you working in a tattoo parlour. And he went, yeah, yeah. And by then the plane landed and we jumped up and grabbed our bags and he grabbed my hand and shook my hand and said, thank you, thank you so much. That's one of the best conversations I've ever had. And he sort of left and he's gone. I didn't even get his name or want his phone number. It was all too late. And you know, that was about probably eight or nine years ago now. And I, I've thought of him so many times since and prayed for him so many times since. Another time I was going down to Sydney from Coffs and uh, I grabbed the Manly Ferry from uh, Darling Harbour there over to Manly. It's the best $5 you'll ever spend in, in Sydney. And the great view of the harbour. And it was, it was a bit late. It was about 7 o'clock at night. Lots of people going home from work. There's a tiny bit of drizzle. And most people were inside of the ferry. But I thought, mm, I'm going to go out on the, the front of the ferry and just, you know, check out the harbour bridge and the opera house. And there was one other guy out standing out there with me as well. And so, um, again, it's like walk across the room. It's like engage the conversation. There's one other guy there. Say g'day, Sean. Don't just be Mr. Boring. You know, engage a conversation. Who knows? It might lead into a spiritual conversation. So I just said, how are you going? He said, oh, really good. I said, what are you up to? And he looks at me and says, this is my boat. And I looked at him as if he was nuts. And I think he realized that. And he said, I'm, actually, he said, I'm the CEO of Sydney Ferries. Sydney Ferries. 
I said, yeah. I said, wow, yeah. He said, I'm going home. He said, I live at Manly. My office is up there in that big building and rah, rah, rah. Oh, cool. So he says to me, what are you up to? Now, what I was up to, again, I was going to have dinner with my daughter in Manly, but I was also on my way to a conference at, Oxford, at C3 Church, Oxford Falls. And so, again, I can just say the soft answer, the easy way out, so I've got to have dinner with my daughter, and then that's the end of the conversation. It's not really going to lead into a spiritual conversation, is it? So I, when he said, what are you up to? I said, well, I'm going to this conference at Oxford Falls Church. I'm a pastor. He looks at me and says, a whole lot of my friends go to that church. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He says, um, he said, I grew up a Catholic. He said, and I'm, I'm really confused about a whole lot of stuff in the Bible. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. He said, I'd really like to talk to someone about it. I said, <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> got a few minutes. I said, what sort of things? And so he began to open up and began to share with me things he didn't understand, the Bible and growing up and all these things he was confused about. It was fantastic. And so... When I engage people with us in a spiritual conversation, I want to bring people to a place when I want to ask them a very simple question, and it's going to come up on the screen here. I, I want to ask people, first of all, who is Jesus? I've found it's such the easiest, most easiest way to be able to engage people in a spiritual conversation is just to ask other people, instead of us trying to tell people, instead of us trying to Bible, thinking we've got to Bible bash people or, you know, thinking we've got to have all the answers about everything. I found lots of Christians don't want to share their faith because they're scared that they won't know all the answers to the hard questions people might have. But I found a really easy way out of that. People ask me hard questions about Bible and creation and all those things, and I thought I had to learn all that stuff first. But guess what you don't? All you have to say to people when they ask you a hard question is say, I don't know, Google it. <laughs> it works every time. <laughs> Just Google it. And, and so I want to engage people in spiritual conversation, and then I want to ask them that question. So tell me, who is Jesus? It's amazing because people will start preaching at you and they'll tell you their stories and tell you their opinions. And, and it's great because often people, I've had people preach at me for 20, 25 minutes, which I don't mind because there's this like reciprocal law of communications and relationships. If they've just preached at you for 25 minutes, all of a sudden it gives you license. You've got to, you know, 25 minutes to respond and let me loose. <laughs> Look out. And so... Uh, and when I do, when I engage people in spiritual conversation, when we ask them questions like, who is Jesus? It's amazing that I find people, have, lots of people, lots of really nice people, lots of, lots of really good people out there, believe a whole lot of lies. And they really do. Uh, people, everybody's got theology. Theology is not just something you study at Bible college or university or theologians have theology. Everybody's got theology. Theology is just your foundational belief system of God and the universe and the meaning of life. And everybody's got a foundational belief system of God and the universe and the meaning of life, and they're living it. And sadly, so many people's foundation is, is built on sand. And people will tell you things that are so historically incorrect about Jesus and the Bible and the disciples or the church. You know, there's whole lots of archaeology and science 
and history and things that, was, that support the Bible, that support the Word of God, the, de- the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It's factual, historical stuff. Yet so many people, intelligent people, good people, nice people, are building their life and their future and their destiny and their eternity built on lies. And so our little job here in this life is to go into all the world and preach love and God and goodness and the gospel and help people out of their lies that they're caught in, that they don't know, that they're hoodwinked. And so it's really simple in asking people, so who is Jesus? And people will open up and tell you and, 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 and it opens the door to be able to say, to them, hey, I'm not sure if that's quite right or you, hey, listen, I've got a book that might be able to help you or do you want to have a coffee and talk about it further? Once people understand who Jesus is, I, I want to ask them the second question is, number two is, why did Jesus die? And then pe- help people understand, why did Jesus actually have to die? And then the third question I want to ask people is, when they understand the second question, is number three, did Jesus die for you? We had a young girl come and stay with Jane and I from the UK, and uh, it was the, the daughter of one of Jane's college friends from years ago, travelling around Australia looking for cheap, free accommodation, of course, ring up Jane and Sean. And, <laughs> and she'd come and stay for a couple of weeks. She was a lovely girl and a uh, very sort of well-to-do girl, well-educated young lady. She would come to church with us. She went to ch- the Church of England back in the UK and liked going to church. And uh, we took her to, to our church and I'd engage her in conversation and, and uh, I would bring her to the question and I'd say to her, well, I, didn't, I knew from talking to her that I didn't really feel that she understood God completely, salvation, that Jesus died on the cross, that you need to receive Christ into your heart and into your life, that how the Bible teaches that we need to be born again. We, need to, we actually have to give our life to Christ to have this brand new start in life, to begin to follow him. And, and so in conversation, I said to her, so, so tell me, for you, who is Jesus? And... Um, and, and she said to me, oh, Jesus is the Son of God. And so, oh, excellent. So, she, you know, when you get the first one right, you go to the second question. So then I would say to her, you know, well, tell me, uh, you know, Sarah, I say, did Jesus die for you? And she said, uh, sorry, no, why did Jesus die? And she, she'd say, oh, Jesus uh, died for the sins of this world. Pick, she got that one right. You go to the third question. So, Sarah, tell me, did Jesus die for you? And she said, oh, no, 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 Jesus didn't die for me. You know, very posh English accent, you know. Jesus died for those, those out there, and those that need him, those that are in problems, those that are in sin, Jesus died for them. And so we had this conversation a number of times over the, the couple of weeks that she stayed with us. And it always come to this point of, so Sarah, did Jesus die for you? No, no, Jesus didn't die for me. You know, we tried to explain, she didn't get it. And so finally she was leaving our place and she was flying over to New Zealand and I gave her one of my favourite little books by Josh McDowell called More Than a Carpenter. It's five bucks from Koorong. It's 120 pages. It's an hour and a half to read it. It's the best $5 you'll ever spend. I, I try and have a dozen or so on my bookshelf at any one time to motivate me to give them to others and to give them out. It's just, a, you know, slip, you know, if you give, you know, don't just give people socks and jocks for Christmas. You know, give them the socks and jocks, but slip in a More Than a Carpenter as well, okay? <laughs> don't just give them the More Than a Carpenter. You've got to do both, you know, or the chocolates or the bottle of red or whatever it is. Tie a copy of more than a carpenter with a bottle of red wine and give them that, you know. 
And then challenge them to, to read it or say, you know, when, once you read it, give me a thousand word essay back and I'll give you another bottle of red or something like that. You just got to somehow get them to read it. So I gave Sarah a bottle of red. No, I gave Sarah a copy of More Than a Carpenter as she left our place and she flew off to New Zealand. And I was really disappointed until about five weeks later and we received a letter that said, Dear Sean and Jane, I'm sitting on the highest mountain in New Zealand. I've just read more than a carpenter. I've just given my life to Jesus. So simple. Back to the Sydney Ferries. So I'm engaging in spiritual conversation with the CEO of Sydney Ferries. And uh, I finally got, which he's talking away around, we're talking, talking through his growing up as a Catholic. And, and so I finally said to him, I said, Steve, I said, tell me. I said, tell me, for you, who is Jesus? And he just looked at me and said, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know, but I want to know. And that's the right answer. See, because everybody's on a different place on their journey with discovering Jesus. Everybody's on a different journey on this life of discipleship. Even those that are before Christ, even those that haven't given their life to Jesus yet, I believe they're being discipled. By God, the world, circumstances, us, if we jump in there and want to be involved in their discipleship. And so uh, the, the ferry just pulled into to Manly and we sort of went our ways again and I sort of saw him walking off in the distance and he literally turned around, he ran back about 100 metres, shook my hand, gave me his name and address and uh, I was able to send him a copy of More Than a Carpenter. I haven't since followed him up or been able to find out what happened, but I just know that God is there with him on that journey. Another time, Jane and I were at a, a party up in Coffs Harbour. We were at, at uh, this great party through a great friend of ours, a guy in our church is quite a famous artist in Australia, Jeffrey Baker. Google his website. It's awesome art. And uh, through Jeff, we got friends with this couple, a very, very wealthy couple, and uh, they, their holiday house is this three-level apartment at Pacific Bay Resort, a penthouse apartment. They actually live at the W Wharf in Sydney themselves, uh, where Russell Crowe lives and John Laws and all this. So they're very, very wealthy people. And uh, we would go to these barbecues at Ted and Sharon's place at, uh, on their penthouse roof, the spa there. And uh, great barbecue because, you know, forget the sausages. We're talking salmon steaks this thick. There wasn't a sausage to be seen. And, uh, and I'd always try to engage Ted in spiritual conversation, but he always pushed me away. And at times he got quite gruff with me, and I, but I knew it was a God thing. And I sort of was thinking, you know, I'm praying and thinking, you know, God, you've got me here for a reason. What's it all about? And, and then finally, we, Jane and I got invited to Ted's 60th birthday party. Now, Ted had uh, invited 30 of his favourite couples from all over Australia, flown them all into Coffs Harbour, paid for it himself, put them all up at the Pacific Bay Resort and put on this amazing, amazing, fully catered, silver service, weighted uh, party in his penthouse apartment and invite all his 30 of his favourite couples plus Jeff and Gail Baker and Sean and Jane Foster. And so uh, here we were this night at this party and, and I walked in the room and I thought to myself... I'm never going to see any of these people again. So I climbed on the table and... No, I didn't. <laughs> I would have liked to have. There's a bit of me that wanted to. But Jane, I just started walking, working the room, engaging people in conversation, 
hoping it would lead to a spiritual conversation. And, you know, the little way, you know, we've got a good way in saying that we're pastors and we're pastor of church. And so we just engage people in conversation and, and ask them, you know, how are you? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? And they'd ask us, what do we do? We, and I'd say, we've got the most exciting job in Coffs Harbour. They'd go, really? I said, yeah. They said, what do you do? We pastor this church. It's fantastic. It's loud music, young people. It's growing. It's awesome. It's fantastic. We love it. They'd look at us and go, you fed income? I'd go, yeah. And about then, most of them would walk away. But that's okay. As I said, we're not going to see any of these people again. And maybe it just leaves them this little seed or this little thought in their brain about this crazy person, this crazy pastor they met at this party. So we, we did this and we, we did engage a few people in spiritual conversations or a little bit of interest, but not really. And by about 11 o'clock at night, I thought to myself, oh, I've been a bit of a waste, really. Maybe I'm just a bit silly. We're out in the balcony, Jane and I, just looking at the beautiful view out the Pacific Ocean. And uh, this guy walks out. He's about six foot five, big guy, thick, very thick German accent. He, at the time, was CEO of one of Australia's largest energy companies. And he walks out and uh, we start engaging conversation. And uh, I ask him what he does for a living. We start talking away. He says to me, what do you do for a living? I said, uh, you know, Jay and I got the most exciting job in Coffs Harbour. Give it one more shot, eh? <laughs> he says, what do you do? This thick German accent. We pass in this church. It's fantastic. It's growing. We loud music. Young people. It's awesome. We love it. He looks at me and he says, I'm really interested in Christianity. Oh, and really? Okay. <laughs> so we begin this talk. We begin to engage in this spiritual conversation and talk about things and Finally, I, you know, the three questions. So I, I looked at him and I said, so tell me, for you, who is Jesus? The thing was, he, he jumped straight from question one. He jumped straight down to the third question. And he looks at me and he says, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. He says, when I was 15, I used to be the youth pastor in my Lutheran church back in Germany. But I haven't talked to Jesus for over 50 years. So here we were on the penthouse, balcony of the penthouse apartment at the Pacific Bay Resort. I've got prawns in one hand, glass of red in the other. He's standing there next to me, six foot five. I put a few things down, put my arm around him and said, why don't we talk to Jesus right now? And in his thick German accent, he goes, that would be nice. <laughs> so we bow our heads, close our eyes, and we pray a prayer. And here he is recommitting his life to Jesus on this balcony in Coffs Harbour. Just because some silly guy just tried to engage some people in a conversation, maybe, that will lead maybe to a spiritual conversation. One last story because we're running out of time. Um, I've been working full-time with Compassion Australia for the last three years. And uh, when I've about two years ago, after I'd worked there for 12 months, I had to go to Newcastle where the Compassion Head Office is um, just for some training and that sort of thing for a week. And they brought in some of the staff from around Australia for this same training. And so I, there's a guy there from Queensland who, who works for Compassion Queensland and he was there and I'd never met him before. And we were having dinner after a, a day of training and talking, you know, how are you, what are you into, where would you grow up, all that sort of thing. And... Uh, he says to me, he said, I said, where did you, you grow up? And he said, oh, I grew up in, uh, in Penrith in Sydney. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. 
I said, where'd you go to church? He goes, I, I went to Penrith Christian Life Centre. And so this little voice on my shoulder sort of says, ask him if he knows a guy that used to be a cabinet maker who's now a tattoo artist. <laughs> I'm going... <laughs> Talking away a bit more, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> ask him if he knows a guy. He used to be a cabinet maker who's now... T- it's like, you know, I just go and ask somebody, did you used to be a brain surgeon and now you're an astronaut? Like, how's that going to work? Finally, this voice won't stop. I think it might have been the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure. But it was very annoying. <laughs> so finally, I said to him, we're talking, okay, okay. So I said, um, I said so Peter, I said, you, know, you grew up in Penrith Christian Life Centre there. I said, you don't happen to know a guy who used to be a cabinet maker, now he's a tattoo artist, do you? He goes, yeah, that's my brother-in-law's brother. I said, what? He goes, yeah, Rusty, he's a tattoo artist. Yeah, yeah. The whole family grew up in the church. We grew up together. I said, yeah, yeah, that's him. That's him. He said, well, he's twins. He starts telling him, he's twins. His twin brother is the assistant pastor now at the church. But he said, goes, Rusty, he said, man, he's the black sheep of the family. Man, he's wild. He's crazy. Tattoo artist. He's in with all his bikies. He does it. Man, he's so far from He is so far from God. Man, he's a, he was when I, and when he finally stopped, I said, Peter, he may not be as far from God as you may think. And I told him the story, and he was like, wow. And uh, he said, wow. It was early December. He said, I'm going to see him in two weeks' time at our family Christmas get-together. That was about, as I said, that was about two years ago, and he saw him at Christmas, and nothing major has happened yet, but I'm praying for Rusty. He's praying for Rusty. Every time we're on the phone together, how's Rusty? We're talking about Rusty, and we're praying for Rusty, and I believe God's going to bring return, salvation, bring Rusty back home, a lost sheep from that family. Amen? Why don't we pray together this morning and particularly think about people in our world that are maybe far from God or seem far from God or have been with God and walked away. Thank you, God. Because just as Jesus called and commissioned the 12 disciples, just as Jesus called and commissioned the 70, sent them out to preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick, then Jesus called and commissioned the early church, go in my name, heal the sick, make disciples. Jesus has called and commissioned each one of us here today to go into our world, whatever that looks like, our sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence. We all do. It might be large. It might be small. It might be in the corporate world. It might be with the down and outs. It might be as a mum. It might be as an artist or a sportsman or a a banker, a baker, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. When we serve Jesus, every part's a big part. And together, not alone, not, not the super preacher, not the super singer, not the super evangelist, not, they're not going to change the world. We are the body of Christ working 
together as a team, as a body, together, each one of us in our world. That's how we're going to win the world to Jesus. We're all called. We're all commissioned. So as I pray this morning, why don't you just think about your world, your sphere of influence. Where has God called you? Where has God planted you? Where can you make a difference? And as you close your eyes, see faces. See see your friends, see your neighbours, see your workmates, see your... Might be someone you go to the footy with, someone you play tennis with, a couple of mums that you have coffee with on a Tuesday morning. Father, this morning we come before you, Lord, and we say, God, use us. Lord, if we just step out that one step and be a little bit bold this week, I know you're going to be there because you promised us in your word. You'll be there with us as we go into all the world and preach the gospel. It may not be on a stage. It's hopefully not on a fruit box on a corner somewhere. But our preaching the gospel just can be loving people, having coffee with people, caring for people, engaging people in conversations that simply naturally lead to spiritual conversations. Father, we pray for these people in our world. And they're everywhere. People might have facades up, and they do. They hide behind their big house, their big car, their fancy holiday, their Facebook photos, their Instagram unrealities. But we know everyone, every, every family, every person, there's not a family that's not touched by cancer, by divorce, by addiction, by violence, by poverty, by crime. The list goes on and on and on. Each one of us is touched and is hurting and is broken. And only Jesus can bring hope and healing. So, Father, use us this week in our world. And just while every eye is closed, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've never answered those three questions yourself properly. Maybe for the first time ever you've just understood those questions. And just while every eye is closed, I just want to give you that opportunity. If you've never really become a Christian, if you've never really given your life to Jesus, I just want to ask you, I'd love to pray with you a simple prayer. I'm not going to ask ask you to do anything else, but just to lift up your hand right now, just wherever you're seated, just to say, Sean, please pray for me. I want to do this. I need to do this. I've never really given my life to Jesus, but I understand this morning I need to receive Christ. I need to Acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died for the sins of this world. And Jesus died for me personally, for my sins, for my wrongs. Every time I've missed the mark, every time I've blown it, Jesus wants to wash away my sin. Is there anyone here this morning who would say, Sean, please pray for me. Or maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christian, but for whatever reason, maybe you're just a little off course this morning and you want to say, hey, Sean, pray for me. I need to recommit my life to Christ. Is there anyone here this morning? Thank you. Lovely lady at the back.
anyone else this morning? Why don't we all pray this to get another lady in the middle? Thank you very much. Just before we pray, anyone else wanting to lift up their hand to give their life to Jesus for the first time or maybe to recommit their life to Christ? Let's all pray this together. There's two beautiful ladies put up their hand. Just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that your precious blood shed on the cross cleanses me from all sin. All sin I've ever done. All sin ever done to me. I'm free from it now. I'm washed white as snow. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Thank you, Father, for this brand new start in my life. I'm going to follow you and serve you, Jesus, every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. I want to put our hands together for Sean. It was so good.